Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Doesn't matter what I have to trade, doesn't matter what I have to give up, I will do it because I want to know Jesus. Now, because of what Jesus has done, our standing before God is secure. But we begin the process of growing more and more in holiness and looking more and more like Jesus, which is what the Bible calls sanctification. But sanctification isn't just going through religious motions. Sanctification is propelled by the growing attitude in our hearts that loss is gain when we gain Christ. Apostle Paul wrote that he considered everything as loss in order to gain Christ. In today's message, Pastor Ricky challenges us to ask the question, would we give up all things for Jesus? If anything in this world, be it a job, a relationship, our dearly held reputation, if it comes before our relationship with Christ, we fail to recognize the value of a personal walk with Jesus. Further, if we don't bow our knee to the Lordship of King Jesus, we'll be held accountable on Judgment Day for our disobedience. Let's join Pastor Ricky now for part two of his message, Gospel Math, from the book of Philippians, chapter three. When I was in high school, um, one of the long-suffering brothers in the church, Lenny, who was a math teacher for years, he was trying to help me and tutor me in geometry. And I'm just terrible at all math. And so Lenny would show me how to do things, and it would obviously he'd get the correct result because I could plug it back in and go, oh yeah, that's what it equals. But I'd go, whoa, 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 wait, 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 how did you do that? Like, in my mind, Lenny is like the equivalent, was the equivalent, and probably is the equivalent of like some kind of mystical wizard where he like waves around pi and like B squared, and it's like, ooh, there it is. I'm like, well, what was that? What'd you do with your hand there, right? This is what Paul is doing. He's saying, listen, okay, I believe this. I believe Jesus is the thing of surpassing worth, worth giving everything to. Let me show you why. So, verse 9 and be found in him. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. I want to gain Christ and be found in him. See, this, this is the first category, the first reason that Jesus is so valuable. Jesus gives us our standing before God. Paul is sort of moving us into the throne room of heaven and evaluating our standing before God. The Bible says that all of us were created by God. All of us are going to give an account to God. So on that day, when we give an account, Paul wants to be found in him. This is a concept again and again in Pauline theology. It talks about um, where it's, it's the category of being in Christ. If you do a word search on the phrase in Christ, it comes again and again and again throughout all of Paul's writing. What it means is that when we come to believe in Jesus, in a sense, we are relocated, not to be in ourselves, but in Christ. Picture it in the throne room, that rather than standing before the Lord, kind of ourselves facing God, we move over and are relocated to stand with Jesus. Paul wants that, being found in him and not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. As we covered last week, we can't stand completely righteous before God. Isaiah tells us that our righteousness, even our best days and our best deeds, they are like filthy rags before God. 
You know, when I was a, a teenager, there was one time where I don't know why, but I had to be going to some event. And I had, my mom told me, like, you got to get a white shirt. Go get one of your white shirts to wear it with a tie to this thing. I'm like, okay, whatever. And so I, I grabbed the shirt, put it on, get in the car. And I think it was in the car that I looked at my dad's shirt and realized, oh, that's white. And I looked at my shirt and I realized, generously, it could be called like cream or a weird yellow. But in the closet, against all my dark clothes, because all my clothes were messed, like against all my dark clothes, it looked, they looked pretty white. And then you bring it out next to an actual white shirt and you go, oh, that's not going to work. So this is what happens with each of us. We compare ourselves to the other people around us, not to the Lord's standard of righteousness or holiness, but the people around us. And we go, oh man, look at the shirt that Hitler is wearing. That thing is definitely not even close to white. Ugh. This is way closer. And we walk in and then in the throne room realize, nope, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. It's all just shades. None of us are righteous. And that's the problem. And so Paul says, listen, I don't want that. I don't want to to rely on a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. And here's the thing. Remember last week, Paul was probably, outwardly speaking, one of the most righteous people that you and I have ever met. If somebody followed him out around for a week, they couldn't find laws that he was breaking. Of course, in his heart, he knew that he needed Jesus. He knew he had sin in there. But yet, from the outside perspective, he looked fine. But he knows, listen, I don't want to enter the throne room of God with my righteousness. Instead, he says, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So this is good news, friends. There is a new option. There is a new righteousness. We have a choice other than standing in our own righteousness. And the choice is that we can take this righteousness from God, the righteousness outside of us. And where is it found? It's found in Christ. See, the Bible says that Jesus was fully God and fully man, that he was tempted in every way we are tempted and yet was without sin. When he went to the cross, he was the only human who ever lived that was perfectly and utterly righteous. He was spotless even against God's standard of righteousness. So he has no fear. Jesus stands before the holiness of God with no fear, no spot, no stain, no blemish. And yet what Paul is saying, listen, the two choices are, I'm going to stand there in my righteousness, or I'm going to stand with Jesus in his righteousness, and I would much rather pick Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for our sake, on the cross, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Meaning Jesus took our guilt, our sin, he suffered in our place so that we could have his righteous standing. Our, our sin and guilt are transferred to him. His righteousness is transferred to us. This is what the Bible calls justification. My friend Josh once told a story about being on a trip. And this is a public story. I'm not, not like revealing him. He's not here. He tells a story about helping, I think it was at a Billy Graham crusade, when he was left alone in the house. He was a teenager. He begins flipping through the channels at this house. And as he flipped through the channels, he stumbled across pornography. So he watched and then clicked away and then turned back and then clicked away and then turned back and clicked away 
back and forth for a long time. Finally, he turns it off, feels disgusted with himself, thinks he feels just sick. He falls asleep and has this dream. And in the dream, he, he sees this file room all over. Rows and rows of files. And he opens the drawers up to one of the files and finds that in the files are folders with labels like lies I've told or people I've lusted after. And he panics when he hears the door open and someone enters the room. And so he's ashamed, he's crying, he's begging them to leave. He's thinking there's got to be a way that I can lock this room up and throw away the key. I never want anyone to see any of these things. And yet the man who enters the room opens each file and crosses out my friend Josh's name and writes his own instead. File after file after file after file, after file, until it's done, and then he wakes up. And that, friends, that is such a beautiful picture of exactly what Jesus has done for us. Because we come into the throne room of God, not just alone, but accompanied by all of our files. Scripture says that at the end of history on Judgment Day, books will be opened. The Lord was going to review our lives. And our choice is one of two things. Either we stand in our righteousness surrounded by these files of our worst deeds that we never want anyone to know, the thoughts we've thought that we don't want anyone to ever hear, or Paul says, you can stand with Christ instead. He is willing to come and write his name over every one of our misdeeds and pay for it in full so that we can stand with him in the righteousness that he has earned. And that, friend, that is why Paul is saying, I count everything as loss because there's going to come a day when I'm going to stand before the maker of heaven and earth. And on that day, I have no chance other than Jesus. It's Jesus or nothing, right? Either it's Jesus or eternal damnation. It's Jesus or I will bear the just punishment of every single deed that I've ever done. But, friends, you can pick Jesus. And that's why Paul is so excited. That's why he's like, look, I'm going to lose my career, fine. I'm going to lose my possessions, fine. I'm going to lose this and that, fine. Because on that day, oh, I want to stand with Jesus. Jesus himself said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? That's what Paul, Paul gets it. So friend, if you today have not placed your faith in Christ, I want you to hear the invitation of this passage. The invitation, the charge of this passage is not to today resolve, I'm going to be better, I'm going to do more, I'm going to clean up my life a little bit, and then I'm going to come in and Jesus has to accept me and love me and pay for my sins. Now, how do you get this righteousness? Paul tells us, through faith. It depends on faith. See, Faith has been described as the empty hand we extend to take hold of the offer of salvation. We don't bring something and then like trade it. Like, okay, I'm going to trade a bunch of church attendance. You give me the cross. Great. Thank you. That's a crazy trade. That doesn't work that way. The only way to accept what Jesus has done and be justified that way is by bringing nothing and clinging to Jesus. To believe that Jesus is the Son of God. To believe that Jesus died in your place 
for your sins, repenting of your sins and turning to follow him. But listen, it's not the repentance that makes you justified. Repentance follows the justification. But it's you admitting your utter need for Jesus. And that's what Paul has done. That's what he charges us to do. That's why Jesus is so valuable. The second reason, Jesus not only gives us our standing before God, Jesus transforms our perspective of the present. All of this changes the way we live and and what we pursue in the present. And Paul is saying, not, not only am I willing to give up everything in order to gain this righteous standing because of Jesus, I'm willing to give up anything because verse 10, that I may know him. Paul continues to give up everything for one goal, that he might know God. This is a deep personal connection and relationship. This isn't just a religious philosophy. This isn't just some kind of weird, um, religious, uh, esoteric, philosophical exercise. He's after this because there's a real person at the end of it, that he can know Jesus. And that one person is worth giving everything up for. When my wife Jen and I were dating, we dated long distance. And I think I was trying to do some calculations this week with my very poor math skills. And that was back when money was worth a lot more and things like that. And we had this system where we started dating long distance. And she flew out to El Paso like two or three times that year. And I flew up to D.C., where she was from, two or three times a year. And I was a poor college student, and I was using my own money for all of this stuff. And I probably spent, if I'm doing the calculations right, about $2,000 on plane tickets when the grand total of my bank account was probably like $500. So I don't know where the money came from. I came up with the money somehow. And listen, I, I am what's generously described as a cheapskate, Okay. I mean, that's a generous description of me. Um, Standing here before you, two of the items of clothing that I am currently wearing are from thrift stores. And so I'm like, it's hard to part me with money easily, especially $2,000 when I have no money. And yet, if you'd have gone back in time and asked me, what are you doing? Why are you spending $2,000? I would have just been like, it would have been a no-brainer. I'd be like, well, because Jen is over there, obviously. Like, she's over there, I either need to go over there or she needs to come over here. One of those two things needs to happen, and if the money makes that happen, then whatever, right? This is exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, it doesn't matter what I have to trade, it doesn't matter what I have to give up, I will do it because I want to know Jesus. Now, because of what Jesus has done, our standing before God is secure. But we begin the process of growing more and more in holiness and looking more and more like Jesus, which is what the Bible calls sanctification. But sanctification isn't just going through religious motions. Sanctification is propelled by the growing attitude in our hearts that loss is gain when we gain Christ. Listen, it's easy to sort of do some outward, external, religious observance, but when you truly begin to change, your heart says, you know what? I will give that up if I get Jesus. We say, listen, I'd rather have Jesus than popularity. I'd rather have Jesus than a newer car or a nicer house. I'd rather have Jesus than a relationship. We begin to change from the inside out when our hearts have been so captured that we're willing to give up anything for him. 
And there's more. News gets better. Know him and the power of his resurrection. See, when we're in Christ, we're united with him, not only in his death, but in his resurrection. That's the second half of salvation. We are raised to new life in Jesus. And in Ephesians 1, Paul says that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's pretty good. It's pretty good power. Like if it brought Jesus back from the dead and that thing is in us now, it's pretty good. It's pretty valuable. That's the kind of thing you'd want to trade a lot for. And through the Spirit, we find comfort. We experience fellowship with the Father. We're gifted in ministry. We have the power to testify to Jesus, all this and more. Paul is saying, listen, I'll give up everything if I get Jesus and the Spirit who makes me look more like Jesus and gives me more of Jesus. I'll I'll, I'll make that trade any day. But then we read this. And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. The first two are seem much better, and this belongs on a different list. Paul says, I'm giving up everything so that I can know Jesus. All right. So that I can know the power of his resurrection. All right. And share in his sufferings. And nobody's like, yeah, suffering. Listen, if knowing Jesus and having more of Jesus is our goal, it transforms our perspective of suffering. In suffering, when we suffer for Christ, we share a unique fellowship with Christ. If we're mocked or persecuted or passed over for a job or hated or attacked because of Jesus, in that situation, we experience a particular kind of fellowship with Christ that we don't get any other way. He says, share his sufferings and become like him in his death. We see that in suffering, we actually gain more of what we truly want, which is more of Christ. When our grip on the world is loosened, when things are ripped out of our hands, it leaves our hands free to take hold of more Christ. So do you see, friend, do you see how valuable Jesus is right here, right now? Do you want to know him at any cost? The third reason that Jesus is worth trading everything for is that Jesus secures our future hope. Verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul has looked backwards to the past and seen how Jesus has justified him. He's looked to the present and seen how Jesus is sanctifying him. Now he looks to the future. And when he says by any means possible, the translation doesn't totally capture this. It's not as though Paul is saying, well, I might make it or I might not, so I got to try really hard. It's not exactly what he's saying. What he means more is, however it happens, I want to attain the resurrection from the dead. Meaning, Jesus might come back. I might die tomorrow. I might die next week. I might die in a month from now. I might die 10 years from now. But whatever, however I get there, I want to attain the resurrection from the dead, which is assured because of Jesus' resurrection. Now, there are so many things that Scripture gives us to look forward to in eternity because we are in Christ. We look forward to the day that our sin nature will be finally destroyed. We look forward to the day that we'll be free of tears and pain and hurt. We look forward to the day that we'll be reunited with other saints of old. But in this context, Paul has one thing in mind when he's thinking about heaven. 
one great reason he's looking forward to the resurrection from the dead, and it goes back to his first reason, that I may know him. That on that day, in an unfiltered way, in a perfect way, Paul will see the man who stopped him on the road. That Paul will finally, in a deeper, truer, fuller way, know the God he longs to find. To, to find fellowship with, to know the God that he spent his whole Christian life pursuing. At the end, he will get it all. Those are three reasons. One, Jesus is the only hope we have to stand before the Father. Two, Jesus is presently, right here, right now, the most valuable thing that we could have. And three, that Jesus ensures our future hope. So, briefly, I want to take you through some applications. Because Here's the question I think we all need to ask at the end of this. Would you rather have Jesus? Would you rather have Jesus? I'll just be totally honest with you. This is not one of those messages that I am like super fired up and enjoy preaching. So I'm like, oh man, I enjoy this. I mean, this is weighty. I mean, it's good. But it is weighty, guys, because it forces us to get to the place where we say, listen, if all of this was on the line, would I trade it for Jesus? Because so much of American Christianity is, I would like to have all of the things plus Jesus also. I would like to have that old hymn, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. We change it to, I'd rather add Jesus and silver or gold. I'd rather add Jesus and riches untold. Rather ignore the suffering, have Jesus, have all the stuff. Can we do that? And Paul is saying, no, listen, you need to choose. You have to choose. Is Jesus worth reshaping your life around or is he not? As I thought about this this week, there have been a few handful of moments of my life where I have gone up to the edge and I thought, I don't know, man. After we got married, Jen, she probably overworked or something, and collapsed, and we took, went to the ER, and we had no idea what was wrong. Some of the symptoms were really concerning, and I felt like, in, for the first time in my life, I thought, man, I don't know if I could keep going if I lose her. I've watched my newborn son struggle to breathe. I thought, I don't know if I could keep going. As a kid, I heard my mom say that my dad had a seizure, and we didn't know how he was. Listen, those moments make you, force you to ask the question, is this real? Am I willing to trade anything and everything for Jesus? Am I willing to bet my life on this? Because I think so much of our Christian lives is spent hedging our bets. Well, maybe I can, I've got a hundred, maybe I'll bet five. No, this is what Paul is inviting us to do today. He's saying, are you willing to live your life like Jesus is the most valuable thing in the universe? Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he's strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. We're so glad that you tuned in today to Better News Radio for Pastor Ricky's study through the happiest book in the Bible. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard today and that Jesus' joy is filling you up. If you ever find that you have any questions or would like to share a prayer request with us, please give us a call at 915-562-7100. We love that we can pray for our listeners, so don't hesitate. 
That phone number again is 915-562-7100. Or you can email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. We'd also like to invite you to visit our website, betternewsradio.com. There you can listen to today's message again or search through our archive of previous teachings by Pastor Ricky. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to receive the latest messages as soon as they're available. Pastor Ricky has created an introduction video for our website visitors, telling you about the gospel message and why it's vital for the world today. Watch it online and find out more about the ministry of Better News Radio at betternewsradio.com. While we'd love to spend more time with you today, sadly, that brings us to our conclusion. We'd like to encourage you to read ahead in the book of Philippians and let the Holy Spirit guide your own time of study. He might just reveal something you never would have caught before. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again to hear more from Pastor Ricky right here on Better News Radio.